Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Connect with Carrie through her candid, often funny, and always informative weekly blog. There you'll read, learn, and make comment about her life as a 21st century wife, mother, daughter, and entrepreneur. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, son, Gray. Before we start, I want to let you know if you miss any part of today's show or you want to hear it again or you want to share it, there's a way and Sutton Gray will tell you how. Listen to all UIYB past and present interviews by going to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy's YouTube channel, flagandbanner.com's website, or subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen by searching Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For timely notifications of upcoming guests, go to flagandbanner.com. Click Radio Show and join the email list. Back to you, Carrie. Thank you, Gray. My guest today is the well-known commercial real estate developer, Mr. Hank Kelly. For the past 35 years, Mr. Kelly has worn many hats as the CEO of Flake and Kelly Commercial Real Estate Firm in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. After reading about Hank, I have the feeling he is the kind of son we all want to have. Ambitious, hardworking loyal, honest, and community-minded. Hank was born in Heber Springs and received his B.A. with honors, of course, from the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville. He followed in his father's footsteps by working in commercial real estate, first in northwest Arkansas before moving to central Arkansas. While on the job, he met, fell in love, and married the sister of the former mayor of Little Rock, Mr. Jim Daly. Today, Hank Kelly is paying it forward with his good works as president of the Downtown Little Rock Rotary Club 99. Under his leadership this year, Rotarians will partner with Dunbar Magnet Middle School's Interact Club, a program teaching community service to young people through Rotarian mentorship. In addition, because of the club's downtown location, Hank plans to work closely with Mayor Frank Scott on his mission of developing city pride. The City Pride for Little Rock. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table commercial real estate aficionado and president of Rotary Club 99, Mr. Hank Kelly. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate that. I'm blushing a little bit, and and half at least half of it's true. Uh uh-uh. Now you, I may not know. This may be actually wrong. Did your was your your dad was in real estate, but was he in commercial real estate or was he in residential? Well, well in Heber Springs, you do any kind of real estate that you can do. And his experience was a combination of commercial real estate, but also doing lake lot development and selling homes that had lake views and vistas of the beautiful, beautiful Grisbury Lake area. Did you grow up on the lake? I did. You, you're a great skier. I, I'm a decent skier. I'm a pretty good wakeboarder for a guy my age. And I, w- I was taught by my two uh, sons, Jonathan Nicholas, and my two daughters, Natalie and Grace, who loved wakeboarding. So we would get out early in the mornings on Grisbury Lake when the water was like glass, and mm. we bought a boat that was a ski nautique boat that is made, made for uh, wakeboarders. They had water ballast. It has water ballast in the back, so you fill those water ballast up, and it's a tugboat. So it cuts <laughs> a wake that's large enough for 
my sons to jump and do flips and land, my daughters to jump both sides of the wake, and for me to try and crash in between. <laughs> Head first. So your father is still alive. He is. You told me before the show he's 94. He, he is. His, his birthday is this weekend, and my mother's birthday is this weekend also. They're two days apart, and I won't give her age, but she's just a couple of years younger than my dad and is a- actually in great health and um, just a brilliant lady. Congratulations. Your dad still come to work with you? Uh, no, dad doesn't work anymore. He retired when he's about my age. As a matter of fact, a funny story, he said, you know, Hank, if I'd known I was going to live to be 94, I might have worked a couple of extra years. <laughs> <laughs> but he's enjoyed his retirement, and we are in touch. And uh, this weekend I was there playing in the Red Apple Four Ball with my high school friend, Brock Duckworth, um, and got to relive some of our memories with my dad of playing golf and so that was a great time for us your son does work in the firm with you he does his name is nicholas kelly he's uh 35 he's an attorney and part an of attorney my, he's he's part of my job has been to utilize his talents and skills in a way to help our firm and help my clients and our clients now to be able to more efficiently move through a real estate transaction. And oh. so having him uh, and, and his legal acumen and, and abilities helps us move through a transaction maybe a little quicker than some of my competitors. That that's, seems like a great addition. You, uh, we, I mentioned in, in uh, opening that you are the president of Rotary, and you grew up around the rotary pancake breakfast in that, heber springs that's right and your father was rotary in heber springs is a very important part of the community as it is in most communities but they were active in our high school and they would show up and give awards for students that were doing things in the community or if they had a good week on the football field uh, they might recognize a player they might recognize a student that was doing well and the pancake breakfasts were part of their tradition Uh, dad would work as a volunteer um, and I would go and do whatever he would let me do to be part of that and that was an early introduction to seeing my dad do public service or service for the community and it stuck with me Mm -hmm. because you were started at an early age with your father and then in 1996 you were the president of another rotary club right my first rotary experience was with a great club the west little rock rotary club they meet on wednesdays at at the saint vincent's complex Um, and i worked through several positions in that organization and ended up being the president in 96. after that service i got involved with a couple of other not-for-profits that really conflicted with the time that I was uh, that I had involved with the Rotary Club in those days in Rotary attendance mattered yes, and so it did. if you were not able to be at the meetings a certain percentage of the time they would uh, not allow you to continue membership and I could tell from my other not-for-profit activities that I wasn't going to be able to attend with the regularity that I needed to and so I took a sabbatical from Rotary and then four or five years later I got back involved with Rotary and the downtown club, a friend of mine invited me to be involved with that club, and it was very convenient because I could walk from my office to the Doubletree at that time, Camelot, and 
and it was a very nice experience to be able to do that. It's a good fit. It's a really good fit. So let's go back to high school. You were in high school, graduated from Heber, decided to go, I guess Heber High School, I guess is the name of it, Heber Springs High School. Heber Springs, home of the Panthers. Home of the Panthers, and decided to go to Fayetteville. Right. Did you know you wanted to go into real estate like your father? I did. I did, or at least I thought that's what I wanted to do. Um, My dad encouraged me to do that if I liked it once I got involved with the classwork. I'd seen him work in the real estate business. I'd seen the struggles of what an agent has to go through to procure a client, close a deal. There are many challenges with being a real estate agent, including managing your cash flow when you first start because you're working on commissions more than on a salary. And my dad encouraged me not to be an agent right out of the bat, but to learn a skill set within the real estate business and then roll into whatever form I liked. So he pushed me or guided me into studying real estate appraisal where I could be paid as I did research and appraisal work for people and I would learn the business better by measuring value. So I spent the first last two years of my college working part-time and then I worked for three more years for a real estate appraisal company in Fayetteville and that was a great asset for me because I got to learn all about Northwest Arkansas by doing appraisal work all over Northwest Arkansas. And that helped me a lot as I started investing in real estate all over the state. Is that still something you would recommend to kids that are in, that want you, to go into real estate? If you have the personality that allows you to think analytically, uh, it's a great way to learn the ABCs of the real estate business. Is there, are there very many job openings for appraisals? The, the jobs are limited, but they are primarily driven by independent appraisal houses that are hired by banks, savings and loans, attorneys, et cetera. And so there were very few job openings for an appraiser at that particular time. When I was graduating, my professor in real estate helped me get an internship, and that internship turned into a full-time job with the person that I was working with. So I had an advantage having worked for them while I was in college. Is real estate the same today as it was back then? What year was that? What year did you graduate from college? 1977. So how has it changed today? Well, imagine when I was doing that form of real estate, the messages that would come in the office were written on a pink pad with carbon. And our day was um, really balanced between being out in the field looking at properties, taking notes, coming back, and composing reports while trying to return phone calls from people that you were trying to get information from. And so I would come in the office, and I would have like a deck of cards spanned out the messages of people that had called. Uh, We had no fax machine. Faxes had not been invented, or at least had not been implemented uh, in in the organization at that point, and I remember our first fax machine. Actually, um, the appraiser that I work for is deceased now, but his name was Kerry Schultz. He was a retired commander in the Navy, so he was skilled in a, in a lot of things, but he was also technologically superior to a lot of people because of his naval training. So he had one of the first computers in Northwest Arkansas put into an application in an office, 
Ironically, it was the same computer that Steve Jobs used, Altair 8080B, which was operated with toggle switches. And look at the difference between what he did with his computer experience and what I did with mine. So (laughs) he still had that computer. It'd probably be worth some money. It would be. I think it was trashed after a few years. Well, and while you were up there, you decided to move back to Little Rock. Why? Well, two two reasons. One, as you mentioned, I'm from Heber Springs. My parents uh, are still there. Uh, I married Stephanie Daly. Did you meet her in Northwest Arkansas? I met her when I was working. I was out of school, and she was finishing her school. And so as we married, we settled in Fayetteville. I worked in Fayetteville for a while after that until 1980. And she was delighted to think about moving back to Little Rock. She never mandated it, but it gave us a chance to get into a larger commercial real estate market. So in 1980, if you compared central Arkansas to northwest Arkansas, central Arkansas was probably three to four times bigger than northwest Arkansas. It is still, isn't it? No. No, it's about twice as big Mm. as northwest Arkansas now. So the, the pace of growth in northwest Arkansas is three or four times the pace that we have in central Arkansas. That leads to some swings up and down, mostly up, but their pace of growth is much faster than our pace of growth. Riskier. Not necessarily riskier. You have the drivers, the the economic drivers of the major corporations, Walmart, Tyson Foods, J.B. Hunt Trucking, and the university itself, and now... Fast forward 40 years since those those businesses have been working, you have vendors that are significant vendors that complement and feed the work to those organizations, and they've grown in proportion. So you have companies like Procter & Gamble, and a great story about the first Procter & Gamble. Uh, They were a vendor. They were one of the first vendors that moved to Northwest Arkansas. We were lucky enough to build a building for them. It was 15,000 square feet. Before two years passed, they asked us to add 6,000 square feet to it. Another four or five years passed, they asked us to build another building for them. So we built a building that was twice the size, 48,000 feet plus a little change. And we thought they were gonna give us back the 21,000 foot building We called them to make sure that they didn't want it. They said, you know what? We've just gotten a new additional business. We want to keep that account. We want to keep that building. So we went from a 15,000-foot building to a 70,000-foot building in a matter of 10 years. That's good business. Yeah, it was really good. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Hank Kelly, developer and CEO of Flake & Kelly Commercial Real Estate and current president of Rotary Club 99 in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. Now you've moved back to Little Rock. Flake & Kelly doesn't exist yet, or does it? It didn't exist as Flake & Kelly. In 1979, my partner, John Flake, started Flake & Frank, is what it was called at that point, and then Flake & Company. And then Flake, Tabor, Tucker, Wells, and Kelly. We had five partners. I barely got on the shingle, but I got on the (laughs) shingle. I was the youngest. And then that evolved into Flake and Kelly. Just the two of you. Just the two of us as as the owners of the business. Now, that's since changed because we've brought in our associates that have worked with us and shared the company 
with a number of them so that we have um, eight partners in the business that are working with us every day. So they have stock shares. They do. What is your main business? Are you a developer? Do you sell real estate? Do you develop real estate? We like to think we do it all. Uh, We manage property, which means we take care of property for people. We collect the rent. We take care of the physical property. We repair the roofs and office buildings. We provide services to them. We also do counseling work. So I have a designation called CRE, real estate counseling. And sometimes that gets into psychological counseling. And I'm not certified in psychological counseling, but the, the, the give and take of the real estate business puts you in a position of high stakes a lot of times. And so what I try to counsel my clients on is to think about the math. Think about the math related to the real estate decision that you're making and remove the emotions from it as much as you can and be businesslike about it. Because the commercial real estate world, unlike the residential world, is more about cash flow than whether or not it's the home that you've got to have. That's right. And I'm thankful that, that I've built my career around the former rather than the latter. Yeah, but you still need a uh, you still need a department that takes care of mental health issues of your clients. That's right. We do. We do. <laughs> but but we also develop property, Carrie, and so. It's a it's a portfolio of services that we offer to people that are involved with commercial real estate. So, for instance, we might start a job where we're looking for a location for someone that then finds a location and they would like to build more of a building than what they need immediately. So, as an example, we entered into a working arrangement with Dr. James Hendren whenever he operated Arkansas Systems. And Arkansas Systems was a bank software company. At the same time that Systematics was a bank software company years ago, they had a boutique, more of a boutique operation, and focused on the ATM world, the world of software for ATMs. James and I were in a business group together, a Leeds business group, And he asked me to go out and survey Little Rock and look for different locations. So we went out to the western edge of town, and we found a track of land that he wanted to build an office building on. But he really wanted to build for the future. So he wanted to build not only what he wanted today, which was about 50,000 feet at that time, but he also wanted the organization to have room to grow and not have to move again. So we partnered with him and built a building that was 150,000 square feet. When you partner, you put money up with him. We do. Okay. We have skin in the game. Okay. And that's that's what we refer to it as, is that we're looking at the investment just like he is because we invest money along with the client that's going to use the building. And so we ended up having to lease about half of the building. It was a five-story building on the Chennault Parkway area along with that land that we needed for the building, we could only buy the land he wanted if we bought 68 acres. And we only needed 15 acres. So we had to take a deep gulp and say, do we really want to take this risk? Did you go lay on the couch with your other guys? The the good news is we said yes, and we took the risk. And that track of land, which is at Arkansas Systems Drive, or Systems Drive, and 
and Chennault Parkway is where we've built over half a million square feet of office space over the last 15 years. And the uh, Arkansas Systems Building was then later sold to uh, GMAC, and it goes on and on and on. But that willingness to take the risk of buying the land and being in control of the land benefited my partner and myself along with the principals of Arkansas Systems. They were able to pay rent to themselves in a partnership. And that's not a secret sauce, but it is the sauce that we've played by, and it's been a really good And you were able to get management fees. We, we got, and we earned them. I mean, yes, we, we you, managed the you, property, you managed, and, and yeah. we collected the rents, took care of the properties, did everything that you had to do as an owner to do that. So that's what I consider our sweet spot of being willing to take a client, solve their needs, even if it means we put skin in the game with them or an investment with them, and take advantage of the opportunity to put our foot in the ground and be able to have product. To and work it worked with. out great. Is that your favorite project? One of my favorites. Yeah, one of my favorites. Do you think rental property is a good idea? I love rental property. A lot, of, but don't you have to get in cheap for it to be worth it? You have to buy you it have at to, a eighty percent. You have to buy it at fair value and take what care does that of mean? it. Well, fair value is a price that a seller is willing to sell for and a buyer is willing to pay. That's the definition of a fair market value. But, but what it really means is that you can make a return on your investment based upon the rents that somebody will pay for the building. And if the building has to be modified, you can get enough rent from the person that requires the modifications to make the initial investment plus the modifications pay back in a certain period of time with that, a fair return. That's mostly commercial. It is. That is not, is. That is not uh, renting houses. Uh, well... That's right. On the, on the rental house mode, you would buy a house that you, you thought was well-located, spend enough money on it so that the quality of your residential tenant would be a good quality tenant, and then you would rent it on a year-to-year basis or six months at a time, and then when that tenant moved out, you'll be prepared to make modifications to it again to make it ready for the next tenant. But the, the single-family rental business has been a good business the last 10 years. It's been an excellent business for people that have the staying power to be able to buy a home and rent it to others. And as you probably know, renting homes, apartments, offices are a lot is a lot more popular today, especially in the residential world, than it was ten years ago. Because it's too expensive to get into home to Because buy a home? people want mobility and flexibility. Oh. And a lease gives you the ability to say you know what? I've been here two years. I think I want to move to a different neighborhood or I want to move to a different market and not have the burden of selling the property that you own. I thought it was because they didn't have the down payment. Well, that could be one reason that they rent, but there are a lot of people that have plenty of money that still choose to rent rather than own a home. And especially as you get into people that are in their 60s and uh, and up, mm-hmm. they look at it and they say, do I really want a home ownership or do I really want to rent something so that I might have a second home in Colorado, might have a second home in Florida, and I might own that, but I might also rent that. So 
you you have much more acceptability these days of people paying rent as opposed to feeling like they have to own something. Sometimes rent can be just as expensive as a house payment, but you don't have to put on a new roof. You don't have to call a plumber. You don't have to worry about taxes. And so over a long period of time, you can save that money you're talking about and take the vacation. You can, and we still have some deduction value on interest on our income taxes. But oh, for, for rental property? No, on, on a home mortgage. Oh, that's correct, yes. But you have some limits depending upon your income levels. The new tax laws have, have The other thing about rental property is you don't have FICA. Isn't that right? I think that's right. Yes. So it's so, not a wages. So you're not earning wages. No, you're, you're so earning you have, passive income or active income, but rental income then can be offset by the expenses that you have and can be offset by interest and the depreciation of that rental home. And rental income is taxed differently. You don't have the Social Security burden. You don't have to put in 7% of your income. On, I, I believe that's correct. That that And, and so you save 7% on your taxes. Of course, you don't get any Social Security when you get older. No. So there's you have to look at that. So is location important? Absolutely. That is it the changed. most important? Uh, some people would argue that financing is the most important, <laughs> <laughs> how you handle your debts. But I would say location is still the number one issue um, that, that people focus on relative to commercial real estate and 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 also in residential Health real of real estate today, it looks, by the look of your face, I think you think it's pretty good. I think it's great. I think it's great. The balance is really pretty equalized between supply and demand. There's probably some weakness in what we would call your box retail spaces. And those are the, some of the junior box spaces that are, you see might, you might see vacant in town. Mm-hmm. And that's because um, retail has changed. Retail's changed significantly. The local merchants, a lot of them are no longer in retail. Mm-hmm. And you're in commercial real estate. Is that affecting you much? It absolutely affects the occupancy of the neighborhood shopping centers that we have. And so what happens when a merchant goes out of business and we have a vacancy, we evaluate as of today what possible users can we put in that space. And in the world of traditional shopping centers, you have a term called tenant mix that's very important. So merchant A wants to be there with merchant B, and merchant B wants to be there because of merchant C, and so it's a domino effect. And so if merchant A, that is the anchor, leaves, the dominoes start to fall. Mm-hmm. And so what what happens is, though, when you have a vacancy in a shopping center, and let's say you have a men's clothing store that just went out of business, and we evaluate the other men's clothing stores in town, and we say, is there a chance that one of those men's clothing stores would relocate, or would they want an additional location? The odds are they don't want to do either. The odds are we've got to find a different use that's compatible with the shopping center use that's not a men's clothing store. And the reason for that is when I go to Amazon and decide to click with delivery to my front doorstep instead of getting in my car and driving and trying something on, the fundamentals of retail have changed. Mm -hmm. They sure have. 
Uh, you're listening to Up in Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Hank Kelly, developer and CEO of Flake and Kelly Commercial Real Estate and current president of Rotary Club 99 in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. We're talking about how much we love buying real estate because we do. Every piece of property you own owns a piece of you. Think about that. That's kind of gross when you think about it. <laughs> it just owns your time. No, it owns my skin and my hair and all that's probably wandering. I know. Think I about, know about that, Mom. <laughs> it's not meant to, to dissuade someone from no. buying real estate, no. but just know you have to take care of it. I love taking care of property. Anyway, quote from you. We, meaning Rotarians, look at things from a positive point of view rather than the sky is falling. You went on to say, Rotary is a place where if I'm Catholic, if I'm Protestant, if I'm Jewish, if I'm agnostic, if I'm black, if I'm white, if I'm Spanish, if I'm Indian, and if I'm Mexican, I am welcome. So that's kind of your mission since you've taken over, one of many. But another one that you have is working with Mayor Frank Scott on his mission of City Pride. And you read a book called Our Towns by James and Deborah Fallows. And I was at Rotary when you first became president, sitting out there eating my lunch. And you held that book up and you said, everybody needs to read this book. I love it. And this is what we're going to do while I'm president. And it has 11 signs for civic success, although you call it 10 and a half. Well, James Fallows called it 10 and a half. And there are 11, but... I'll get into why it's a half All right. in just a minute. Let's start. Which one do you want to start with? I wrote them down in case you need help. Okay. Well, I've, I've got them right Okay, here. good. Um, first, people work together on practical, local possibilities. Rather than allowing bitter disagreements about national politics to keep them apart. That's so important. So, that one was, that one kind of surprised me. Well, it is critical, though. So if we get on opposite poles... Because one of us is red and one of us is blue. Right. And we can't go solve the school district issue. What good does that do if we're apart and not willing to work together to make our local place a better home? I'm not sure if it's a symptom or a reason. Is the fact that you can't work together in your local home because you're Jewish and you're Muslim and you're Catholic, is the fact that you can't work together in your home broaden out to, to be, become a national problem? Or is, it, or is it because you bring the national problem into your house? I guess they're the same. When you- I, I, I'm afraid that we all spend too much time listening to echo conversations by certain brands of news and we don't take the time and i'm reflecting on myself we don't take the time to listen to a different point of view and a local view and, and to take and, care and of a local, local stuff. view but the importance of diversity and it's critical if you surround yourself with people that look like you and think like you you never grow You just hear the same conversations over and over and over. Which brings me to another one of the uh, 11, inclusive and open to attracting new types of people. So we're on a mission at Club 99, the Little Rock Rotary Club, to make our Rotary Club 
look like our community. And it's a mission. We have a separate committee that's a division of our recruiting committee that is the diversity committee. And the diversity committee is chaired by my friend, Dr. Ashwin Vibacher, who's an Indian man, a dear friend of mine. Uh, Our friendship goes beyond Rotary. We've traveled to India with him and his wife. We've gone to a family wedding in India. And if I had not experienced that, I wouldn't understand some of the diversity challenges that I faced internally. I also was lucky enough to go as a chaperone with UA Little Rock to Shanghai, to Xi'an, and to Beijing, and that opened my eyes. I'm a chaperone. I'm learning as much or more than the students are by the experience of interacting with the people. So if you don't have the ability to just spend all of your life traveling and meeting people, then it's just necessary to open your heart and your mind to someone that's different than you and live through them, live through their travel experiences, live through the experiences they have had as a Jewish person or as a Hindu or as a Christian or as an African-American. And don't limit your knowledge as a person to just what you know. And so it's just the basics of humanity to me. Simple. The more you're exposed to, the more you grow. There's um, nine more. You want me to pick it? Oh, uh, you can pick one or I'll, I'll hit the highlights of them. Hit it. So you can pick out the local patriots. Who are our heroes? Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Okay. So, so you know, Mayor Frank Scott is trying to lead this city right now and help us get our swagger back. That's part of his motto. I want to help him with that because swagger is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And our former president, Kenny Gibbs, mm-hmm. he's got swagger. Oh, president of Rotary. Yeah, Kenny Gibbs had swagger. He did. So, well, he was a boxer. Yeah, he was a boxer. you got to have a swagger to box. You sure do. So, but, but the point of that is be proud of where you live. Don't dwell on the negatives. Highlight the positives. Work to improve the negatives. But don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't be ashamed of where we live. I'm so proud to live here. I wouldn't live anywhere else. You're a cheerleader for here. You really are a city cheerleader. Thank you. And I think city pride is important. And I think people, and I think that's what Frank Scott's trying to do, is really bring up city pride. We had Ned Permy on who said that he had no idea. He came from... He was coming from Mobile. Mobile, Alabama. Mobile. And he came up here and said, I couldn't believe that Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas, had so much to offer. I fell in love with the place, and I left the beach. I can't believe I left the beach. So he bought a tanning bed, and he says, <laughs> no, but, but you're right. It's a wonderful place, and we need to be proud of it, and we need to toot our horn and not talk about the Absolutely. things it doesn't have. So the other thing is um, public-private partnership is a term that's used all over the world. It's all used especially uh, among municipal leaders, but having a real public-private partnership. Who would you say that is? Well, it's a project. So let's say that if you go to the Gateway Development where Bass Pro is. Okay. Okay. I, I, 430 and I-30. Okay. That was a public-private partnership by virtue of the developer, Tommy Hodges, applying for 
and utilizing a TIF project to build some infrastructure and streets and sewer connections that allowed that development to get started. Now, look at what that looks like today compared to what it looked like 10 years ago. And if you don't see the value of a little bit of investment from the public sector to make that happen, then you're just blind. Would you call that project the TIF project? TIF, yeah. A TIF project says basically if the city get, grants you the ability to do it, you can take the difference between the taxes that are being collected on the property today and the taxes that would be collected on the property after the redevelopment was done, and you can use part of that. The school district is not uh, exempt, meaning this, the portion of it that goes to the school district is exempt from being relieved. But if you take the difference between what was and what will be, and you use a portion of that to pay for the streets, the sewer, the sidewalks, et cetera, it stimulates the growth in that area. Nearly every state in the United States has active TIF funding. Arkansas is one of the hardest to get done. Hmm. Yeah, that was a great addition. Uh, they have, um, I, was, I thought it was interesting that they had three conversations about schools, a research university, an innovative and unusual school, and a reputable community college to fill the inequality gap. And we had all three of them. We have all three of them. That's the beauty of this book is if you read the book and you compare the other cities and towns that he talks about and their assets and their challenges and you compare Little Rock to that, we have the solution to nearly every one of his 10 and a half or 11 points. And the schools that we have available to us, including a variety of good variety of, 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 of both private public schools at the high school level and then you go to the college level and you've got ua little rock which is a research university that's one of the key ingredients yes and, a research university brings new students professors smart people it's akin to having a river or a harbor was once to a to a community it's the flow of intelligent people it's the flow of intelligent people. So then you have Pulaski Technical College, which is a fabulous two-year institution that prepares people to either go into workforce directly or go on and finish a four-year degree. It's the inequality gap for the people that can't do the four-year, that need to be working faster in two years. And it's a good one because there are some um, community colleges that are not very reputable. And ours is extremely reputable. And so you also have other community colleges that support the UA system that enter in and around Central Arkansas that can actually interact with UA Little Rock. There was an article recently, I think this week, about UA Fayetteville interacting with its community college in Bentonville and that they're seeking that kind of relationship with other community colleges. And so the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville has awoken to the idea that they've got to do a better job of taking those two-year degree students and finding a way through scholarships and programs to get them through a four-year program if that's what the student wants to do. UA Little Rock's been doing it for a while. That's right. And, and they've been doing it at the local level. And so what we know about a, a graduate from UA Little Rock is they've got grit. 
Very few of the students that go through UA Little Rock have it handed to them on a platter. They may be working part-time. They, they may have had to delay their education because they couldn't fund their own educational system, so they might enter college at 20 instead of at 18. Uh, they might work while they're doing it, so it might take them five years to get through a program or six years. But the people that we've hired that have graduated through that work study program they really want it they want it they're hungry you got grit they're intelligent and and they're focused because they work so hard to get through that education so it's a it's a bonus and a bargain to get a student that's gone through it the hard way and the um i thought this one was interesting which i've never thought of an innovative unusual school and if that's not the clinton school of public service i don't know what is or you look at the east m schools they're very innovative. Uh, so the latest East Elm School is down on Shaw Street, right by Heifer International. And they're educating kids at a very high level at this point. And so it's a great, great system. Uh, our fellow Rotarian, Mike Poor, is giving his heart and soul to this school district. And I, I believe he's got many choices of places he could be, and I'm thankful that he's here now. That's nice. And, of course, everyone knows this one, a great downtown great downtown we're so lucky in little rock relative to the size of our community we have a 40-story building downtown that we're involved with we also have the river market area we have soma we have so many entertainment areas to go to um, i was speaking to one of our fellow rotarians that lives just on the other side of soma and he talked about how nice it is to leave his home walk to a number of restaurants that are just within two or three blocks at most from um, his home and people that live in 303rd River Market Tower regularly walk out of their condominiums, walk to restaurants like Samantha's, like Bruno's. Um, I, I love Flyway Brewery over in North Little Rock. It's just a fabulous setting and it's just yeah, the Argenta district in North Little Rock. The Argenta district is on fire. I know. You, that uh, speaking of breweries, Craft Brewery was actually one of the eleven things. It's that the makes half. It good. It's, it's the half. It's the half. It's the half. I knew you were going to say but, it was but, the craft brewery. James Fallow says, and I believe it's a great indicator of the spirit of your community. So if you have breweries and distilleries, not that we're promoting. You know, excessive drinking, but 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 what they show is that there's enough support among the younger people that love to have fresh brew. Yeah, they go out and spend brew. money. Yeah. And, and 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 that determinant, he says, is direct. Well, they also are the next people coming up. If you don't have the young people, your community is going to be that, dying. That's right. And, uh, and then. Uh, uh, the last one it, that I think, well, no, the next to the last one is people know the civic story, which is like the land of opportunity, the natural state. So I understand you've got Ernie Dumas coming uh, in the future to uh -huh. talk to you. He was, of course, uh, a guest of ours at our Rotary Club. And the education of Ernie Dumas, I would just say to our the listeners book. out there, it's a fabulous book about Arkansas politics. And knowing your civic story, if you don't know anything else, go read Ernie's book. Uh, it's just the last hundred years of Arkansas politics told from someone. Ernie hadn't been doing it for a hundred years, but he was. He's uh, close. Is he close? <laughs> Ernie, don't don't take that. Uh, the, the, He's he, probably listening. But for fifty years, uh, Ernie Dumas has been involved in the backstories and the back rooms of 
seeing what happened. And this book tells it all. And he's and, a great storyteller. And, and it, it, it helps wrap up a great view of our civic history. Uh, it was really good. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Mr. Hank Kelly, developer, CEO of Flake and Kelly Commercial Real Estate and current president of Rotary Club 99 in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. We'll be back after the break. Friends of Dreamland are proud to sponsor Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Dreamland Ballroom, located on the third floor of the flagandbanner.com building in the historic Taporian Hall, is a nonprofit dedicated to bringing back the music, the history, and the party of the Dreamland Ballroom. Our annual fundraiser, Dancing Into Dreamland, will be a tournament of past champions to celebrate the 10th year. Mark Friday, November 15th at 7 p.m. on your calendar. The night will include a dance competition where audience members text their votes for their favorite acts, a silent auction, free hors d'oeuvres, cash bar, and your opportunity to experience the magic and imagine the music of the legends that played on the Dreamland stage, like Ella Fitzgerald, Ray Charles, Louis Armstrong, and many more. Tickets available at dreamlandballroom.org for the 10th annual Dancing into Dreamland. Be a part of the history of Dreamland. So I just want to tell everybody that you've been listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and that I have been speaking today with Mr. Hank Kelly, developer and CEO of Flake and Kelly Commercial Real Estate and current president of Rotary Club 99 in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. We didn't get to everything we could get to. We've run out of time, but uh, I do want to give you your gift. Thank you. It's a desk set with a U.S. and an Arkansas flag. Well, thank you. So Do you have one of those? No, I don't. But it's so appropriate that I, I with am your a, business that you would give this to me. So I know, right? You. So every time you put it up, you'll say, oh, that's that flag lady gave that to me. So we, uh, you got any real estate tips for anybody? Buy low, sell high. <laughs> yeah. Just just remember, um, if, if, if look at the location, look at the accessibility. Um, try not to get over levered or owe too much debt. That's my worst yeah, one don't, right there. Don't, don't borrow too much money. Put some real equity in your properties, and then the bank won't dictate to you how your real estate investment goes. Have you ever read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad? No, I have not. Next book says don't ever buy your own home. Instead, lease, rent, find, live in an apartment, and buy rental property till you're 40 years old. Because if you live in your home, you won't ever have any money to invest in rental property. I, I, I don't dispute that, but I would say owning your home is not a bad thing either. It, it, you know, I agree. It feels good. All right, uh, Gray, who is our guest next week? Next week is a reprise of our interview with Joe Fox, owner of Community Bakery. He has sold his business, but he's still working there. Uh, and because it's Labor Day, I decided it was good to take a businessman who talks about business and starting that business and how he's turning it over right now. I uh, thought it'd be nice to uh, replay his because mm-hmm. we'll be out next week. It's Hank, thanks again for joining thank me. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. And I'll see you at Rotary. Thank you. Uh, for those listeners who might have a great entrepreneurial story they'd like to share, send a brief bio and your contact info to me, Carrie at flagandbanner.com, and someone will be in touch. And to all, thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening, and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. 
You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select Radio Show, and choose today's guest. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Subscribe to podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.